All right, here we go. This is the first podcast that I'm putting out in March of 2019. This topic that we're going to go over today is based in MMA, the mental and the physical war within that people will experience training it and they'll experience in themselves. And they'll also experience it, don't forget, if you get to the cage, you're going to super experience this. So I... As a coach, if you, if you don't know who I am, I'm the, uh, the head of the Viking Valhalla Project, and I created this program for, originally for men, and I wanted to really be a support system for men to be able to have, and I, ugh, I don't want to say safe place, that sounds so weak, but I wanted to create an environment where men could thrive and and this is we're talking the terms of gentlemen here we're not talking in the terms of you have a you have a penis so therefore you're in i'm looking for that that type of person that's wanting to become more sophisticated more eloquent in the way that they do and they approach the world and more capable and this constant gain in capability is something that I that I press men to do. I urge men to do this. Here, here's why. So we look at, we had a conversation come up in the gym that I own, and I own a place called Samba One, or it was once known as Fusebox Mixed Martial Arts, and we still operate a mixed martial arts program out of the place, and we're heavy in Sambo. Anyways, we're on the floor talking, and I said, can anybody describe to me what it takes to be a man? And so... One gentleman said, I'll do whatever it takes. And so I looked at a woman and I said, well, you do whatever it takes. And she said, well, I don't really know. And, and so she isn't real competitive. But I said, well, let's talk about your kids. She said, well, that's something entirely different. So you didn't say kids. I'll do whatever it takes. So I think it's hard to define what a man is now. I think at, in an earlier stage of human history, it was easier to define what a man is because you were stronger. And so men did things that required physical strength and that all that's gone today. So now everything that we put ourselves through, at least in this country or countries like this, is kind of self, it's, it's kind of voluntary. They did it to themselves. So you join an MMA gym because you, you want to become great or succeed or or grow and become excellent in some way, well, this, this is something you did to yourself. This isn't, you weren't forced into this. Um, the train didn't break down in the middle of the American Wild West and you had to fight a bunch of Indians. It's, you had to go into a place and, and pay for this and make it happen. So this self-infliction, and I don't think that fighting MMA is a man's thing because it's, it's definitely a woman's thing. So when I was going through the, development of the Viking of the Hollow Project, I went away from being male only because we got, and this kind of started when I had uh, Michelle Manu on the phone or uh, on the podcast. And we had done this uh, podcast long distance as she's out in California, but her interest is very warrior based. And so I'm like, well, I can't, I can't not 
give her credit for that. And the reason I had a woman on the show in the first place is because what women think of men is very important to men. So what are we if we're not communicating with them and trying to work with them? Because, listen, I think we all can agree um, we can't live with them and we can't live without them. So we're going to have to figure out how to communicate kind of the overall idea that we ideally want to see each other and figure out if that's a workable model. So I had uh, had her on the show and we spoke a little bit and so I removed the all things man related and I put all things warrior related and that's kind of been the muse ever since. Today's show is a lot about what's it going to take to be a good competitive martial artist. What's it take? What's it take? Sometimes I have to deal with this. What's it even take to be competitive? Some people go, I'm not competitive. I'm just not a competitive guy. I don't have a competitive bone in my body. I don't care if I lose. But I don't know if I believe that. I, I don't know if I believe that people don't care if they, if they lose. That doesn't feel good. There's, there's really no... You don't walk away from that thinking, man, that didn't matter uh, too many times in your life. So I think it's important to be competitive, but I think that people have seen examples of possibly uh, overdone competitiveness that maybe has a sick element to it. So I'm not looking to develop a sick element in competition. I'm looking at developing a healthy element into competition. So if you're going to walk into the gym to become an MMA guy or girl and you become a fighter, I have a couple of questions. I have a few questions for you that these are, these are so important that I kind of ask them to everybody over time to make sure that they're on the same page. I ask people, first and foremost, what do you want to gain by fighting? What is it that you're after? And I think this is something that this is a conversation that you need to have with yourself. If you're training martial arts on any level or if you're if you're doing any kind of fitness program on any level, and let's say you go to Zumba. What are you what are you trying to gain from that? And don't don't tell me, I don't care, but in MMA I do. So tell me, what do you want to gain from this? What is it that because we're always in design and I ask people about their habits. Like how many of your habits are, in, are intentional? And how many of your habits are accidental? And if you have a bunch of accidental habits, that probably explains a bunch of accidental outcomes in life. So uh, I'm looking at forming a bunch of intentional habits to create an outcome. So when you say, when I ask you, what do you want to gain? I'm trying to figure out how to form, help you form habits that will create this gain. Now, if you don't have an idea what, what you want, it's really difficult for me as a coach to, to guide you through. So I have people really, really sit down and try to figure out what you're trying to gain here. Is it celebritism? Is it, is it prestige? Is it honor? Is it, uh, is it money? You know, is it just an escape from reality? So there's, there's all sorts of answers. I just, want to see, I just want to hear what yours is. The other thing I ask is, where do you want to go with fighting? Here's what I don't like to hear. Oh, you know, just compete a little bit and see where I go. 
that's, that's uncomfortable for me to commit to a person that just wants to do that. Cause what if we reverse the question, how well are you going to coach me? Ah, I don't know. I'm just going to, you know, coach a little bit and see where it goes. It, it's, there has to be a commitment back and forth on this. If we're talking about high level competitive martial arts with a high risk background like this, this, I mean, there's a high risk form uh, platform here in mixed martial arts. The heel hooks, legal impacts, uh, head impacts, legal. Uh, if you're a professional, knees to the head, legal. The, the amount of power that a human body can create versus take is, is pretty tremendous. So we, uh, we as a as a uh, fighter coach need to sit down and figure out what do you want to gain by fighting and how far do you want to go with the fighting i want to hear world championship i want to hear to the top one fc ufc m1 global i want to i want to hear these things um i want to i want to hear i want to get my grappling so good i want to go to the uh, abu dhabi uh, I want to hear world championships in sambo, world championships in jiu-jitsu. I want to hear that there, there is a reason to commit in this relationship between coach and, and fighter. Now, the other thing that I have to ask, and this is, this is crazy important, what are you willing to lose? And if a person says not much, then we're, we're really kind of done. Any level of success that you want, any kind of significant success that a person wants to gain, and it almost doesn't even matter the topic, you're, you're going to pay a price. I promise this. Is the price worth the reward? You have to know this before you get started. Is the price worth the reward? There's a lot of work that has to be done here. So having a list of things that you're willing to lose your job, your, the place you're renting, wh- whatever it is, to get to that one big shot, are you ready to be a hungry fighter? Or has America gotten so soft to where we're all just complaining about too much foam in our latte? And then that's the new hard fighter in America. So if you want to make it to the top, if you're going to work with me, I'm going to need to see, I'm going to need to see hungry fighter. Then the final thing is, the why. I think why is something that gets overlooked on everything. Or maybe on a lot of things. Everything's a strong word. The, here's an example of why. We can use money. I offer a person $1 billion in cash in this briefcase. And they're like, wow. And I was like, yeah, man, it's all yours. It's like, oh, cool. I'm like, do you want it? They say, yeah. They said, what's the catch? I'm like, "Mm, there's only one catch. You see, the government wants to get rid of tax. Or I'm not sorry, they'll never do that. They want to get rid of cash because they can't tax it. The same controls on taxing it. So they had everybody turn their cash into a bank. And they see there's a big black mark across both sides of each one of these bills in this billion-dollar bundle of bills. And so that means that the cash has been turned in and it has no redeemable value because all that cash is now on a card that the government can better track. And so the person says, well, so I can't spend it on anything? He says, no, you can't. But it is a billion dollars and you said you wanted a billion dollars. Here it is. They go, well, I don't want that. So I ask, why? Well, I can't buy anything with it. 
said, oh, you wanted things. All right, that's the why, you want things. What do you want? They go, I wanted a car. I'm like, right on, man, I love a car. What kind of car? They say Corvette. I'm like, ooh, Corvette, what kind of Corvette? And they say the highest end Corvette. And I say, okay, tell you what, I'm going to get you the highest end Corvette, and I'm going to get it zero miles and delivered to your house. Would you like that? And they say, yeah, man. I'm like, all right. So here's the catch. I'm going to go down and buy it, but I'm going to take it to a junkyard first. I'm going to have it smashed into a cube. But it is a Corvette with zero miles on it, and it's got all the shit in it, if you know what I mean. It's super nice. Then I'm going to drop it off in your patio, your driveway. Still want it? They said, no. Like, why? All I did was change the shape. But it is a Corvette. They said, well, I can't, I can't drive it. They said, oh, you just wanted to get around? They say, yeah. I'm like, oh, well, that's why. You just want to get around. Here's a bus pass. Well, no, I, didn't, I don't want a bus pass. I'm like, oh, no? Why did you want a billion dollars? Well, for the thing. Well, you didn't want the thing because I changed the shape, so it wasn't the thing. So what did you want? Why did you want it? Well, I don't know. So I said, was it so people would, you would at least perceive people looking at you like you're successful? And then you'd have the freedom to drive around with this self-imposed emotion of success? The person says, yeah, that's actually it. I just, I wanted the freedom and I want people to look at me and say, I want to be like that guy. And I said, all right, that's your why. So if you want to be successful, you can't chase the money. You can't chase the thing. You have to chase the addiction of the emotion of being successful. And here's the issue with success. Almost all of it takes place behind closed doors. Almost none of it can you explain to people in a, in a party setting in a way that's exciting. This is, this is a lot to admit on a show, but it's my show, so I guess I should, I guess I should get into the real deal here. I've had quite a few people come to me and go, well, you're clearly not hurting. You've got, you got money. Like, well, depends upon what you think about money. I'm, I'm able to feed myself and most times my kids and but I think I struggle the same way most people do. It just, I bring in a lot more money in a month that goes into the expenses of what I do. So let's say I bring in $8,000 in a month. Maybe my expenses are $6,000. You know, maybe they're $7,000 on that month. So just because a lot of money comes in where you can say, hey, it's not yours. It's not mine. It's, it's gone. It's somebody else's. This is what it takes to just survive. And there is this, when it comes to success and, and pushing through this, I mean, it, there's no guarantee that you're going to get it. You might just have the wrong mixture of crazy 
in your mind that slows the process. And it's really hard to see unless you have a team of people around you that can pull it together. And you have to trust these people that they have your best interests in mind. And, and uh, you have to have their best interests in mind. And they can, they can contain you a little bit and help you find that success and that stability. Maybe. Because working your tail off to earn eight to ten thousand dollars a month just to have nothing to start the next month to have to eight, make eight to ten again is exhausting. But what's the alternative? To get smashed into a box that you don't fit into, and just just forced to just mold into it like like Play-Doh, and then and then you just live your life out and just be miserable. I've seen this with people dating. They they go to like uh, speed dating because they're they're trying to have success, right? They're one, boom, uh, marriage, finally, success, leading cause of divorce, right here. This is what I'm going to do. So many people are unhappy in their marriages, but you know the one way to fix that is that you're the magical element and you're going to show them all how to do it. So you decide to go out and get married. And that's what they're doing. The speed dating. They're trying to. They're trying to get married, right? Um, they're trying to. They're trying to be so, so successful that they have. Uh, they accidentally have kids or something. So, they go out and they speed date. And they're like, well, all these guys are assholes because they just they see this and this and this and they do like this and God, oh, just ah, oh, guys are such jerks, right? And I said, hey, hey, hold on a second. The only reason that you're saying these guys are jerks is they don't fit your box that you brought with you that you're trying to shove them in. They just, they don't fit. So you're like shoving their head in this, in this box and they're mm-mm, like dunking them like a sixth grader in a toilet. And, and then you're like, you don't fit. Ugh, what a jerk. And then off they go and they find the next one. And, and so I've often asked people, and I'm probably not the best guy to look at when it comes to dating success, but I ask people, what is it about you that deserves this magical dream mate that you're thinking of in this dating process. Um, are you incredibly healthy? Your, your mind is always improving. You're just wonderfully balanced. Or are you just set in your fucking ways and the other person isn't conforming to your ways? And I have a feeling that for most people it's that last thing. And that creeps into success on all levels. And I see it here at the gym. I, am, I don't know how many times I have experienced people walk into this facility and they're like, I want to be a world champion. I'm like, right on. And, like, and I know how to do it. I'm like, really? Have you coached anybody before? No. Have you done this before? No. But you're going to become the world champion because you watch some shit on TV and you're going to put together, based off the footnotes of somebody else's life, a successful program for yourself. Man, you know how hard training yourself is? This is the way it looks for me. When I train to fight or to compete in anything, I, li- I lean on my sons. My boys come in and they push me. They have expectations. So they're younger, so it's not like they get in the ring and they fight with me. But they have expectations because I won't lie to my boys. So they come in and they say, here's, my, here's the expectations you wrote down for dad. And here's some of the stuff that we've done, dad, and it worked really well. And here's what we're going to do. And they'll bring some weirdness from the wrestling camps. And, and they'll put me through it because I can't do it alone. And so when people come in and do self-coaching, 
It is a catastrophe. So one of the fastest ways to find failure is to lone wolf this shit and just vanish. Because if you're a lone wolf, I'm not interested in you. You've got to go. I've met too many of them. They're not worth the fucking time. You want to become an MMA fighter? You need to join a team. You need to be a team guy. You need to get your skills built up. And then once you become that world champion, you need to be good to the people that built you. And you need to be good to the people that support you. Don't just take it all and walk away. And then when it goes away, then come back and say, hey, how's it going, coach? Don't do that. If you're too good to communicate during your success, you're too good to communicate after you fall. And we all fall. If you stand, you're going to fall. So know that why. Why are you doing this? Are you coaching yourself? Are you coming in with these preconceived ideas with no experience? You got to listen to good trainers and know that they're good trainers. You can't walk in with zero experience all the time and expect the world's greatest high-end trainer. These people aren't here to teach you karate lessons. I feel in the case that we have here, I think I'm a pretty good coach. I, I think when the person becomes really, really good, I bring in more coaches so we can have multiple minds on an individual and we can, we can catch a bunch of uh, holes in thinking from each other and produce a stronger, a stronger athlete. This is important. So understanding, what do you want to gain from fighting? Where do you want to go with fighting? What are you willing to lose in fighting? And why? Why on all of this stuff? Understand the why. This takes me to the next thing. The next hardest part about being an athlete is the diet. Here's my perspective. This is just the Coach Sullivan perspective out of Samba One um, and, and whatever value that has to you. But I, I suggest that you heed this warning because it works. A good diet, and we're going to talk about what that means, means better gut health. Your guts comprise a good portion of your body. Having a health issue in your stomach and being an active athlete, this is a problem. So I'm looking for solid gut health. I want to get rid of heartburn. I want to get rid of gas. I want to get rid of um, stomach, uh, stomach aches that occur after eating. All these things I kind of want to get rid of. I want to, each individual athlete needs to experiment with their diet until there is no problems. So we need to make sure that energy levels are high and food nutrients is high. Not food consumption is high, but food nutrients. There's, there's going to be a significant difference because we need to put on muscle mass here. We need to put on strength here as an MMA fighter, but we don't need to put on a tremendous amount of weight in most cases because if you outgrow the efficiency level of your heart and your lungs, we're not going to be a successful fighter. So everybody has kind of a weight limit here in reality. The other thing that good diet brings is better mental health. I'm not going to say good because I don't know how wacky people are, but maybe better. So since everything's produced in your stomach, all the nutrients that your brain needs to create healthy brain hormones is going to be produced in your stomach. And if we have an issue with what we're putting into our stomach, we're probably going to have an issue with what we're getting out of our minds. Now here's the thing with MMA. You might feel if you're not a practitioner, that maybe this is a sport for 
unintelligent people, but I'm telling you right now, if you're going to make it to the top, you're smart. You have to be smart. You have to be smart about your training. You have to be disciplined. You have to be committed. There's a lot to becoming this super athlete. And if you're going to heal, you have to have that diet right as well. So there's a couple things that I want to talk about on healing. So we, we have healing from the damage and we have avoiding damage. Good diet, good gut health, good mental health is going to help you avoid damage. You'll make better decisions and you'll be faster and more reactive based upon having the proper fuel in your body. With making those better decisions, you're going to get hurt less. So you have to heal less. And then we have to talk a little bit about oral hygiene. If you're not flossing regularly, you're not brushing pretty real, real regularly, and taking care of your mouth, then there's most likely a tooth problem is going to occur. And once a tooth problem occurs, here's my experience. It creates an inflammation inside of the jaw or the head, and it moves its way up into the eardrums and creates balance and reaction issues. So I like to see people taking care of their teeth and taking care their overall oral hygiene. It's just polite. You're in close quarters with people, so if you're not hitting the mouthwash, you're not flossing, I guarantee your mouth smells. So if you're not flossing, you're not hitting oral, oral, oral mouthwash, and uh, I know some people say that oral mouthwash isn't, isn't needed, but I think it is because bad breath is when you're in close quarters like grappling and kickboxing. It's, it's a significant issue. So taking that into consideration, while we're talking about it, use the, the, the wet wipes when you go to the bathroom, guys. It's, it just is totally worth it. I would suggest that... If you wouldn't wipe poop, for example, off of your kitchen counter with a piece of toilet paper and call it good, that you don't do that to other people, all right? So I, I think hygiene standards need to be really, really looked after in this sport. And it would really significantly cut down on some skin issues that are capable of flying around gyms if people would just walk in cleaner in the first place. So kind of got off track there, but that, that for sure is the thing that good health inside of your mouth will help with your balance of reactions. I really believe that. I don't have science behind it, but uh, that's my opinion. The balanced diet, here's where I say. I say 30% or so protein, max 35. Um, you don't need a whole lot more than that. Some people say you can only process 25 grams at a time or, or whatever their number is. But listen, all the protein gets used. It just gets used in such a way that maybe isn't in muscle building, which a lot of guys are concerned with when they're online talking about what does what uh, when it comes to protein. So when we're talking about how much protein, the uh, 30% uh, diet... Uh, 30 grams of protein up muscle mass in some studies by, uh, by 30%. Just it, but when they upped the, uh, the protein to like 90 grams, they didn't see any more gains in muscle mass. And I like that study because we're, we're after muscle mass, but it needs to be an intelligent muscle mass. You know what I'm looking, what I'm talking about. So if you see like a massive bodybuilder, uh, this is, they're not going for strength and they're not even going for athletic performance. They're going for size and proportions that they find attractive in, in size. And this is, this is an entirely different type of athleticism 
So the one that we're after, size is important, but not always gaining size. Sometimes you need to be smaller and stronger. So um, any excess proteins, uh, the way that it kind of works, um, the, uh, your size is going to affect your protein needs. So if you're, if you're a 120-pound guy or if you're a 240-pound guy, you've got to look at your protein takes. That's why I don't say, hey, eat X amount of grams. I say try to do 30% of what you intake based upon how much you eat. Protein is absolutely not only for muscle building guys, so don't look at it that way. There's more to your system. If There's not a lot in your body that we should probably take out. So you need to be careful about when you look at your diet, like what can I take out because I'm not prioritizing it. It needs to be a very balanced diet. You need all these things. And the protein itself works on a cellular level. Excess protein gets turned into energy as way it gets, uh, gets processed into glucose and then uh, gets at the very end it can be stored as fat and some people are worse about that than others and some people they, they burn enough energy they're inefficient enough maybe that they burn more energy and so nothing gets stored as fat and it, and it is I do see it as an inefficiency if you burn a ton of energy if it just takes more coal to make your engine run that's inefficient so people that have a really efficient motor and hold fat they're like oh, I hate myself but really what they have is a very efficient motor and it just doesn't play out for um, six pack because your body works survival first six pack abs second so protein working on a cellular level is is crazy important um, Amino acids, you're not going to get amino acids in your system without the protein. Um, with the amount of protein that we're talking about here, people can possibly pull off with a vegetarian diet and get that done. Um, I don't personally recommend a vegetarian diet for fighters. I think that there's, a, there's an issue in healing and repairing and maintaining proper muscle mass and muscle performance without a tremendous amount of work. That just adds a lot of time to your day. I get it if you're not into the slaughter. I'm not into the slaughter of animals too, so I understand that, but you have to figure out what are you going to give up if you're really going to do this. And I think that's uh, something that's super important. The, uh, the other thing that it comes down to when you're going to take in excess protein, you're going to have to bring in excess water. Your, your body's going to require water to process that protein. And then one of the final things that I want to talk about here is inside of MMA, we're talking about the potential of brain damage and body damage. So body damage is a protein issue, and brain damage from research that I've been keeping up on, creatine monohydrate can reduce brain injuries from 3 to 30%, depending upon the type that they are. And I know that's a wildly vast number, but any number is good. On, on protecting your brain. You don't want to grow old without it. Trust me. I'm not going to tell you how I know. But you want to, uh, you want to grow old with a healthy mind and a healthy body. So this, the whole idea that I do when I work with MMA fighters is we want to make this be as lucrative as possible. So if you have a business that sells buggy whips and you don't use the celebritism that you're gaining to sell buggy whips, you're, you're you're hurting yourself in the long run because your body isn't going to do this forever. And we need to figure out how to make this exchange for your youth, this punishment that you're taking for your youth to pay you, the older you, once you get older. So we're looking at this as a business strategy. So don't come in here looking at it as like a hobby. Come in here looking at it like a business strategy. You are going to school. You're asking me for my time to come in here and give up my time to turn you into this monster. 
Don't ask me for a discount on that. And I won't give you a discount on that, on my services back. I'm going to teach you all but, you know what? I'm going to teach you all but 40%. Well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be happy with that, so don't ask for a 40% discount on my uh, life's information. And that goes for all coaches. If they're not valuable to you, just don't go in. Go do what's valuable. Go spend the money at the bar. And how, man, how many people do that? They're just like, I need, the, I need the classes to be like way cheap because I spend all my money at a bar. I'm like, go spend the rest of your money at a bar. Come in here messing with me with that stuff. Ask me to go to work for you. A little bit of a side rant. You guys like that? The, uh, the other thing that I run into with fighters, there's some breathing issues with people. So if we're talking like you have asthma, I can't express enough uh, the results that I've gotten and I've seen fighters get off of bee pollen and raw honey, raw local honey. It has to be local if we're talking asthma. Uh, you need to, you can't be ordering it from China or something like that. It needs to be with the, the issues that you're having, the pollens that you're having in the area that you live. So make sure it's from a farm. Sometimes when people package honey, they pasteurize it anyways even if it says it's not pasteurized. In the case that it's pasteurized, it's just sugar because it's not alive anymore. So honey becomes just sugar if you kill it. The, if it's alive, then it'll burn like a complex carbohydrate. And it, it's, I haven't even seen with some diabetics, and you'll need to check with your doctors on this because I'm not an expert by, by any stretch of the imagination. This is just what I've seen, that even people that are diabetics with raw honey can do raw honey because it doesn't spike their insulin. The, uh, the debate on whether or not bee pollen is good or bad is kind of out there. But listen, whether or not it's a superfood, I've seen people in a matter of months clear up uh, even athletic-based uh, asthma to the point to where they could actually breathe and increase their endurance by probably 25% within months without changing much in their in their training schedule. So there's some value in that. So I'm not going to run this one on forever. I'm going to try to keep the longer episodes from when we have a guest on. And I'm talking right now with Raquel Pennington from the UFC to get her on. So I'll be going up to Colorado Springs next month. And we're going to try to sit down in person and kind of talk about some of the old days as she used to be a member of the, of the gym here. And Possibly she's going to see if she can beat me up. I don't know. We're going to try it. I don't know about that. I'm going to put some money on this one. In any case, keep your eye on the Viking Valhalla Project. If you have interest in what we're doing, try to support us. Try to share these episodes. Get them out there. We can definitely use every bit of help that we can get to get this program out to as many ears and eyes as possible and get people into this facility to where we can actually help people become that warrior in their life that you know they need to become. So if you can, share this episode. Help us get out there. The Viking Valhalla podcast. We're out of Westminster, Colorado. And spring's coming, so we're going to start doing some pretty cool stuff outside if everything works right. And we're going to get some guys together, and we're going to do some axe throwing and uh, shooting uh, guns and bows. We're going to do some really cool stuff. And then we're eventually going to be going out and doing an alting here pretty soon, once the weather is uh, a little more accommodating. And this Viking alting that we're going to be doing is a gathering 
for people to kind of let it out, to get rid of this superficial kind of life that we live now with all these superficial fake stresses that we're facing. And we're going to uh, help people regain some of their mental health by moving them a little bit closer to nature, really work on their competition, and really help them on the way that they feel about themselves and the way they see the world. Get a little excited about something besides driving to work in your car and going to a bar at night. These, are, these aren't good things. These aren't things that need to be celebrated. These are, these are life exchanges. So if we're going to exchange our life for something, let's exchange it for some life. This is Michael Sullivan, the Viking Valhalla podcast. Guys, thanks for your time. If you have any questions about MMA off this episode, contact me on the links that are provided here at www.fusebox.com. You can reach me. Super easy. Drop me a text if you want. 720-207-3860. Again, that number is 720-207-3860. Coach Michael Sullivan at Samba One in MMA, Westminster, Colorado, and the head of the Viking Valhalla Project. Hey, guys, thanks for your time. Look forward to talking to you soon. If you have any requests of what we can, can talk about, um, shoot them to me. I'm going to be having a ex-Blackwater sniper on here pretty soon, and we're going to talk about some pretty cool stuff. Hey, guys, stay tuned.